Good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Troy Bond with the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. And here with me once again this morning is... Pastor Terry Shuff. Pastor Terry Shuff, the director of Raven Daytona Beach. Uh, and we're so glad to have each and every one of you here today with us for the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies, which is a ministry of Raven Ministries International. If you want more information on Raven Ministries International, we just encourage you to go to our website, which is www. .biggrace.com It's a little early to be saying it that fast, but www.biggrace.com And so, we would love you to, to go and uh, access and find out more about our ministry, not just here, based out of Daytona Beach, but literally all across the United States and into Canada as well. And uh, we are doing an expository teaching on the Word of God, and right now we are in the middle, I think this is our 106th class on the Book of Romans. And so if you have not joined us in the past, those are available to, for downloads. You can actually go to our website, once again, biggrace.com. Click on Raven Magazine, and you can get these daily classes uh, downloaded onto your computer in MP3 format for absolutely free of charge. We'd love you to, to go and access those and, and take, a, uh, take advantage of those things. Burn them on a CD, whatever you want to do. Pass them out, share them with your friends. We'd love for... Uh, you to use those in any way that's most uh, beneficial to you. Uh, and also we want to welcome our international uh, guests, our pastors that are here every time and let us know, is uh, the pastors from Pakistan, India, and uh, in, uh, in Africa as well. We, we love you guys and we appreciate you and all that you do for the kingdom of God and all that you're willing to go through to uh, make known the, the, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ in areas that don't uh, have as much access, as much freedom as we have here in North America and specifically the United States. We love you and we appreciate you and we pray for you that God would encourage you and just cause an increase in your faith. And we love you too. Just because you're with us and you're not from Africa or Pakistan or, or India, we love you and we appreciate your faithfulness to the Word of God and your desire after righteousness. And so we just um, uh, appreciate everyone that's joining us here today. Uh, Pastor Terry, uh, got a got an outreach coming. We mentioned you being here from the, kind of overseeing the local Daytona Beach. Got an uh, outreach coming up. Saturday night and Sunday, correct? Saturday night, right out here on the streets. And you can find out some information. Go to our website, biggrace.com. Click on either Raven Daytona Beach or look at the Raven International website. You see the things that are going. But if you want to join us here in the area and want to be a part of that uh, outreach on uh, uh, Saturday night or Sunday afternoon, you're going to actually be going out. You're scouting some areas to go out and feed the hungry and do some things Saturday afternoon. But we'd love you to be a part of any of those local outreaches. As well as if you have any type of close proximity to any of our teams, they're out literally on a weekly basis, out touching lives, feeding the hungry, ministering to the broken. And you can click on that and you'll see uh, where people are doing things on a weekly basis. And we'd love for uh, you to be involved. Or if you're doing something and we can be any help to you, please uh, let us know and we'll come out. And you can uh, email any of that information to raven at biggrace.com. And we'd like to connect with you in some type of way. Anything you want to add on that? Not yet. He's like, I'll try to get mine in here in a minute. Pastor, why don't you open us in prayer this morning, and we'll go to the Word of God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, Father, and we just thank you so much, Father, for your Word, Father. We just thank you, Father, that we do have the freedom to to be able to get into your Word like we do each morning, Father. And Father, just help us to be doers of the Word, not mere listeners, Father. And Father, we do lift up our brothers and sisters and fellow laborers and Africa and India and Pakistan, Father, this morning, and we just lift them up to you in, in the name of Jesus, Father, and also, Father, we lift up all those who are struggling, Father, whether it's finances, Father, or through sickness and disease, and we just uh, ask, ask for healing in their bodies, Father, 
again, Father, help us to to absorb your word today, Father, and and just to take it, be able to take it to the streets, Father, and reach the lost. We just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And amen. Also, I told you that we're going to be. Uh, I'm developing actually a new place to do the audio, and so uh, a little bit of an investment, a couple hundred dollar investment. So as soon as we put that to. Uh, get that we'll actually make it where the the audio is a lot more accessible as far as the mp3 downloads the one that we used it's kind of shaky it's free but you know we try to take advantage of much free stuff we can the other is cheap it's like two hundred dollars for three years and it's an unlimited uh, amount of classes we really have to have that because of the number of teachings that we put on and the bandwidth and the 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 type of uh, storage space that we need. So we're going to have that up probably in the next few weeks. And But in the meantime, those things are still accessible through our Z-Share program that's on our website. So I thought I'd been talking about that. I just want to make you know that that is going to be coming up. So if you have your Bibles this morning, let's turn to the book of Romans, the 8th chapter, where we've been at for just a, a little while. It will be a, we'll be at just a little while longer, I'm sure. But well, I'm going to read those first eight verses to you where we um, kind of concluded yesterday. I read that eight verse to you and kind of gave you a little tickler for what we're going to be doing uh, today. But uh, I want to read those in their entirety, those eight verses. It says, Therefore there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and is weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemns sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the Spirit do mind the things of the, uh, excuse me, those that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit do mind the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Folks, yesterday, what we did, Pastor, is we showed from the Word of God that any time that we find ourselves walking in what we've called that compulsive dominance, that walking according to the flesh, then that, that hostility that it has, that, that, uh, that type of enmity or that, that dominance that our old nature wants to have, any time that we do that, then in fact what we are is we're walking in a reasoned hostility towards God. It's, it's, it's for there for a reason, and it's, and it's going to just diabolically, literally, it's going to continue to draw us into that sin nature. Because the carnal mind or the flesh will invariably always act contrary to the holiness of God. And this may not be instant hostility, but it will be insistent hostility. And what I mean by that is, is though it may not require something immediately out of us, it's going to be insistent that eventually our flesh succumb to the will of the old nature. And folks, just because something isn't uh, instant doesn't mean it's not insistent. And what I mean by that, it's, it's, it's not unlike what we studied in, when we were looking at this in regards to the fall in the garden, that uh, uh, God told them, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because in doing so you will surely die. And, and the, the serpent came and tempted him. He said, you will not certainly die. And because they didn't perceive what he meant by death, and because their heart didn't stop immediately, what happened? For, for the next couple thousand years, man just thought he was going to allow those things to run roughshod. I'm still living a long time. I'm still doing things. Certainly it's a little bit more difficult or whatever, but I've not surely died. And folks, listen, it's insistent though. It's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. Even though your sin or even though you're walking in the flesh or walking after the carnal nature of man is not uh, uh, instant, it's still going to be insistent. 
Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. We talked about Galatians 2 yesterday about, you know, if I'm sowing to the flesh, uh, 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 it's going to reap corruption. If I'm sowing to the Spirit, it's going to bring forth life into my life. And so, don't ever uh, think that just because something's not instant, that it's not insistent. It's the same thing with sin as it is with righteousness. Righteousness, if, if you're doing things, that's why the Word tells us, don't be weary in well-doing, because in due season, you shall reap if you do not faint. And so just as we're walking in, if you think you're walking in the unrighteous, thinking, well, God's just weakened at those things, that there's no real consequences to it, it's not going to be some instantaneous thing, and so that must mean God is passive and God don't, doesn't care. Folks, don't be fooled by that, because there is a due season. But the same respect, if you're walking in righteousness, and you're saying to yourself, God, I'm, I'm doing what you told me to do, and it just doesn't seem like things are transpiring. Folks, stand fast in your faith. Don't, be, uh, don't allow things to be ter- determined by how you see or perceive things. Some of you may find yourself in circumstances right now where you said, God, I'm crying out to you. I believe in you. And, and, you know, there's a test in the middle of that because things are not materializing. They're not as, as instant as what you think. But, folks, listen, uh, righteousness is going to bring an insistence just like unrighteousness. Righteousness towards life, obviously. Unrighteousness towards death. So just stand fast where you are. If you're believing God, if you're standing in God for victory in your life or on, in a circumstance, or somebody you've been praying and believing God for, walk, uh, walk in faith, walk in righteousness, walk in something that transcends the, the natural man, walk in something that, that, that transcends what you're able to ascertain intellectually or, or environmentally or, or emotionally, and, and believe what God said as it's bigger, amen, than, 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 than what we can perceive in the natural. And I believe that you're gonna, when you do that, you're going to move into another realm of really of faith. And so, even though, like I said, it's not... Uh, uh, this instant hostility, but it's insistent hostility, that it will not be uh, immediately tip its hand to expose motive, even sometimes when the motive seems righteous enough. Because, brother, there's sometimes that we do things and our motives seem right, but if you get right down to it, we're, we're, we're truly operating in the arm of the flesh. We're, we're operating in our own power or our own ability. But what happens, even though it's not instant, it will slowly impose the will of the flesh over the will of God. And Paul the Apostle really demonstrated this in his own life in that seventh chapter that I've called that parenthetical statement of Paul the Apostle. And it provides also the, the solution right here in chapter 8. But what's interesting about that is sometimes we think that even though something kind of seems righteous enough, say for instance, you know, maybe you're struggling your finances. You say, well, maybe if I just go out and get three jobs. And you know, and you're working one, you're working plenty of hours, you're doing these type of things, and maybe I can do something, and that's God moving. Well, sometimes we just got to put faith in God and trust Him through those situations and say, God, I want you to reveal to me what you're trying to teach me, what you're trying to show me. Or maybe it's a, it's a, it's a relationship. You're saying, God, I'm just going to trust you in my marriage or trust you for my children. But you're always trying to take the place of God and impose the, the will of the Spirit into some situation. And you cease to impose the will of the Spirit. And what you're just imposing is self-will rather than God allowing those things to work out over the time in the season that He desires. So don't, don't get caught up in the arm of the flesh even when it appears to be righteous, because it may not be instant in producing death, but it's definitely going to be uh, 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 insistent that death is produced in those things. Now, I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, in regards to this. And it says, And you he has quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sin, where in times past ye walked according to the course of this world. According to what? The flesh. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. Uh, among whom also we had our conversation times past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature. What nature was that? That was that sin nature that we talked about throughout the book of Romans. You were by nature children of wrath, even as others were. 
And so, brother, there was a time in every one of our lives that because of the nature of who we were, we did things in accordance with that nature. But the, the trap is, even having a new nature in Christ Jesus, being born again, being, uh, being reconciled unto God through faith in, in, the, in the finished work of the cross, it is so easy sometimes to slip back into that desire to fulfill the desires of the flesh and of the mind. But 1 Corinthians 2.16 tells us we no longer have that mind, but that we've been given the mind of Christ. Christ. Now, folks... You that uh, that say, listen, you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, that you, you have expressed your faith in Him, and you're, you're walking in that, you have the mind of Christ. Now, brother, think about the implications of that. If I have the mind of Christ, okay, if I'm walking with Christ, I should have the mind of Christ. If I have the mind of Christ, I should be thinking the thoughts of Christ. I should be walking in the, the faith of Christ. I should be having the desires of Christ. I should be motivated by the things that, that motivated Christ. Should, should I not? Sure. So if I'm thinking along the same lines, if I'm, I have the same mind, or if I have that same, that same noose, N-O-O-C-E, I've given you this word before, which literally means this. If I have the mind of Christ, it means that I have the, the capacity for spiritual truth, the, the, with, with providing a higher power within my soul, the, fact, the faculty of perceiving divine things and of recognizing goodness and of hating evil. And so if I have the mind of Christ then, what I have is I have a capacity for spiritual truth. And so and really I want to stop right there for just a second, especially in relationship to uh, we studying the Word of God. If I have the Word of God and I, and I have the mind of Christ, I should say, then I come to the Word of God, I have the capacity for spiritual truth. I hear people say all the time, very sincere people that say, you know what, I just can't understand the Bible. Well, there's a problem there. Because if I have the mind of Christ, God is going to lead, by His Holy Spirit, leading guide me into all truth. And He's going to provide me the spiritual capacity for that. And He's going to give me the, 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 the faculties. He's going to give me the ability. He's going to give me the, the understanding to perceive divine things and recognizing good things and hating Evil. When I have the mind of Christ and I'm walking in agreement with the mind of Christ, what's going to happen is that I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be in agreement with that with the Spirit of God, and I'm going to hate evil things. Now, folks, if you're not hating evil things, then what you what you've got to ask yourself is: Do I legitimately and genuinely have the mind of Christ operating in my life? And so, folks, I want to bring out a point here as we talk about the struggle that each of us have in varying degrees in the walk of what we've also talked about as submissive dominance. If you remember, we, we, we talked about those two types of, of dominance, that compulsive dominance that happens in the flesh and a submissive dominance that happens when we submit ourselves under the will of God. And so if you're struggling with that submissive dominance, which always should produce the mind of Christ, or, or, or dominance to the spirit of man or the will of God. And folks, what we've got to do, we've got to come to the place where we, by an act of our will, which has been enabled to make righteous decisions through divine influence of God, we've got to come to that place where we choose the path of righteousness over sin. And so if I'm walking in that capacity, if I'm walking in the Spirit, as we're looking at in these eight verses, then what happens? Then I've, then I've, I've come to the place where, where I'm consistently choosing the path of righteousness over the path of sin. And so you've got to ask yourself, am I choosing the path of righteousness over sin? Or do I find myself always vacillating or always halt between two opinions and doing two different things? Now I want to give you another scripture that we've looked at in the past. It says uh, It's out of Romans 5, 1 and 2. 
Romans 5, 1 and 2. So, brother, I've established this through the Word of God. That Listen, God has promised to give us what? The mind of Christ. That mind of Christ is going to give us the capacity for spiritual truth. That mind of Christ is going to give us the, the faculties to perceive divine things. That, that, uh, that, that, uh, that, that mind of Christ is going to give us the ability to recognize goodness. That mind of Christ is going to give us the, the ability to hate evil. Okay? Now, folks, when I say the ability to hate evil, really it is. That's a spiritual ability. Because how many times have you found yourself when you've kind of uh, waned in your prayer life or in study of the Word, you found evil not so reprehensible to you. You found yourself more uh, easily being able to put up with certain types of conversation, certain types of action, certain types of th- things that you feasted upon. Think about it spiritually. And so you, you lost your capacity to hate evil. Folks, I, I tell you what, if, if people in the body of Christ that, that, that claim to love Jesus... If strictly all they had was the capacity to hate evil, I tell you what, brother, there's there's your victory right there, because it would be repulsive to us. It'd be we would turn our nose up to it. If we hated evil like we hate uh, our least favorite food, if we hated evil like we hate particular types of weather, just think how how much victory we would have. But the mind of Christ is what gives us the capacity to hate evil. And so we we see people all the time. We think, well, how could somebody do that? How could somebody live that way? Well, because they don't have the mind of Christ. We hear headlines all the time about people that do these, these heinous types of crimes. And, you know, crimes against children or, or senseless murders. And we think, you know, how could somebody do that? We hear about people, you know, just uh, uh, cutting people to, to pieces and, and, and dismembering bodies and things like that. And I'm thinking to myself, what are they thinking? Well, folks, listen, they're not thinking. They do not have the mind of Christ. And so they do not have the capacity to hate evil. And so when people, you know, you look at things that are happening in the Middle East and even in the, the Muslim world. And, and you know what? Somebody will do a crime and they'll, they'll, they'll just chop their head off or they won't or they just their enemies. They'll, they'll capture someone and they'll just do all types of acts like that to them. What is it? It tells you they don't have the mind of Christ. And so like the guy that said that, listen, we serve the same God, we're under the same covenant, we just need to get in agreement. That's hogwash. Because if you're walking after the things of God, you are going to, just like my sister said, you're going to have a, uh, you're going to have a different mind, but if you're not, you're going to have that reprobate mind. And so we've got to come back to that place where we're saying, God, I want the capacity to hate evil. And I say that because I want to read this to you out of Romans 5, 1 and 2. It says, therefore we are justified by what? Faith. And we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now verse 2 is so important for us. By whom we also have access by faith into His grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of, glory, the hope of the glory of God. We have, I want you to look at that and underline that in your Bible. By whom we also have access by faith into His grace. How are we saved? We're saved by grace through faith. And so it says, By whom Him we have access by faith into His grace where we are able to stand and rejoice in the hope of glory. Now folks, write this down. Here's, here's something you need to look at today. Access does not immediately constitute entrance. Okay? We have access by faith into His grace, but access does not constitute entrance. Okay? Write that down. And I'm going to tell you what the difference in that is and how in Christianity we've mistakenly thought that just because we have access that we immediately have entrance into, into His grace by faith. Folks, access into walking in the Spirit is what Jesus has offered us, but we've got to come to a place of submissive dominance. Otherwise, we will never enter that place of access. 
You hear me? Because really, brother, the gospel is a whosoever will gospel. Whosoever will come. And so we go out and we say, okay, who does God love? God loves the whole world. And, and He gave His only begotten Son. That's access. But does it stop there? For God loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Now you go and do whatever you want to. They, they replayed the, uh, the program last night of the, 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 the evangelist. Some of you guys have seen it. Carlton Pearson, who pastored a church of five or 6,000 people in Tulsa at one time, who, who totally has become apostate. And basically what he says is everybody's going to heaven and nobody goes to hell. Hell is right here on earth and you don't really have to serve God. It's just that his job now as a minister is just to let people know that everybody's okay. And so basically what it does, it, it takes that promise that we have in John 3.16 and just takes the first portion of it. God so loved the world that He gave His Son. He stops right there and He says, okay, live and let live, do what you want to. But what, what does it say after that? That whosoever believes on Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That, that believing is the same that we find in Acts 2. That whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Calling folks and believing are not just simply uttering words or just some type of arbitrary type of thing that just happens. Literally what that word means to call upon the Lord is to surrender title, deed, and ownership of your life over to someone else. It's coming to that place of submissive dominance. It's saying if I want to walk in the Spirit, if I want to take advantage of that access and, and, and move it into entrance, what do I've got to do? I've got to believe. I can't just say, okay, I heard a, heard a good message or I even go to church. I've got to walk in that belief that only is going to be uh, demonstrated through my submissiveness to the Spirit of God in my life. And so we'll, we'll never have that. I believe that, folks, really this is where many people fall short in the relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what they do is they find themselves falling from the grace of God and they become estranged from Jesus Christ according to Galatians 5 and 4. And because we attempt to walk in the power of our own flesh resulting in the law of sin and death, rather than walking in the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, which is accessed and entered by walking in the Spirit. Folks, listen. Your entrance into the promises of God, your entrance into the victory over the sin nature, your, your entrance into to, 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 to walking in power uh, is only going to happen as you access it by faith and believing and submitting your will unto the hand of God. Then you'll truly know what it means that there's no condemnation. For those that are what? In. Where? In. In Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And so it's not just the access, but it's the entrance. And so there's no condemnation for those that make entrance or in Christ Jesus. So folks, listen. If you say to yourself, well, Pastor, man, I've been hearing this, but I'm still walking in condemnation. It's because you've seen the access, but you've not made entrance. Because you're not in Christ Jesus, and you're not walking in the Spirit, but you're walking in the flesh, which is also, it may not be instant, but it's going to be insistent. It's, a, it's going to whittle away at your will. It's going to whittle away at your own willpower, your ability. And so what you're going to say is you're going to become disenchanted in, 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 uh, with, the, with the gospel and discouraged. But, but folks, listen, you're not walking. You're walking on the outside of the gospel, looking in, desiring the promises, but never making entrance into that Place. And so what this does, once again, it creates this cycle of condemnation that literally inter, uh, uh, hinders any type of sustained victory. And so I, don't, I want to sustain victory. I want something that I'm always in Christ, that I'm always 
walking in the Spirit. Now, once again, does that mean that I'm never going to sin? Does that mean I'm never going to... That's not what it means whatsoever. If I say I have no sin, the Word calls me a liar. But what do I have? I have access, and so I don't have to be dominated by sin. And so when sin comes, when I miss that mark and I miss that standard, rather than allowing those things to be heaped on and built upon me, what do I do? Boom, I eliminate that thing through repentance and through faith in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if I'm faithful to confess my sins, He's faithful and just to, to forgive me my sins and to cleanse me of what? All unrighteousness. Boom. Those things are obliterated once again by the blood. But where I see my sin is when I'm in Christ Jesus. Do you hear me? I can have Deb come over and hit the switch to this light. And you may hear my voice, but you're not going to see anything. Why? Because the only thing that allows that camera to, 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 to broadcast is the fact that we have lights above our head that are radiating. I turn off the light. What happens? I don't have access any longer to the visual. Folks, listen, this Word, and when we're in Christ and we stay in the Word of God, what it does, it brings the illumination. And what the illumination does, it exposes the unrighteousness and it brings me to a place of repentance. And so when I'm in Christ, then I'm not walking habitually in sin. Now think about this. The issue of access in regards to verse 6 that says, To be spiritually minded is life and peace. I want, to, I want to give you something out of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. Ephesians 2, 14 through 18. Because we need to move in from a, just a place of mere access into a place of entrance. And it says this, and, and you'll remember that the sixth verse said, For to be carnally minded is, is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So Ephesians 2, 14 through uh, 18 says this. It says, For he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. In other words, what he did, he has provided access to us through the, the work of the cross. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity or that reasoned hostility, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances. What is that? The law of sin and death. That the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus made us free from the law of sin and death. And he goes on, As to creating himself one new man from the two. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Thus making peace that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. There's that word again, that reason, hostility. And he came and preached peace. That same peace that's there in, in, in Romans 8, 6. He came and brought peace to you who were far off to those who were near. For though, for through him we both have, what? Access by one Spirit to the Father. Folks, listen. He has provided us that access by faith into His grace according to Romans 5, 1 through 2 and according to Ephesians 2, 14 through 18. That place where we can come and obtain that victory and not find ourselves continuously walking in the, in the insistent nature of the, of the flesh and those things. So folks, yeah, going through that bill. I love the fact that He did not just subdue the enemy. Okay, If I subdue something, brother, if, I, if, if criminals there and I say, would you subdue them? What would you do? Actually, take uh, captive over in base. You, you grab them. Now, you worked in a, in a place where you dealt with, with kids that sometimes had problems and sometimes they would get out of hand. And what, what would you do if they got physically out of hand? You'd have to uh, restrain them. You'd restrain them. You'd put them in a restraint. But you would let them go eventually, wouldn't you? Mm -hmm. And so you didn't choke them to death or kill them. You didn't. And so, but look about what Jesus did. You know, and some, sometimes what we do is we want to, we want to, you restrained them until they what? Until they calm down. Folks, listen. That's exactly what many people do with that sin nature. We, we, we restrain it until it calms down. Then we let it go again. 
Now, you, you, you're, I know your mind didn't change. I know you're still angry. How many kids did you see that? They calmed down, but their mind wasn't changed. They just begin instantaneously, they begin to, 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 to plot their, their next outburst. They want it out of their they want they want they want it out of the situation, difficult situation. And so what they did is they came in a momentary agreement. They didn't come into a place of submissive dominance. They came into a place where it may not have been instant rebellion, but it was insistent. They were going to have another flare up. But what we do, we do the exact same thing. Sometimes we find ourselves in a tough situation, and so we we put all our power into a momentary restraint. Man, we're huffing and puffing, and we're thinking, oh, we got it. And as soon as that thing calms down and says, okay, okay, I'm not going to mess with you anymore, we let that thing go, and it's left to sit over there and sulk for a little while, and it's set over there to, 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 to begin to plot its next attack. But you know what it does this time? Now it has got the advantage. It says, I know how they're going to come at me next time. I know what they're going to do. I know the restraint that they're going to utilize. And so they're going to begin to plot in their mind. And that's the way, that's the way our old nature does. It says, okay, here's how they, they combated me last time and they let me go. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to plot and I'm going to do something that's going to circumvent what they're trying to do. Folks, listen, so often time we do that. Think about it. Think about the times that you've done it in your own life. That, that you just work to subdue that enmity or that recent hostility. But he didn't come just to do that. But it says that he came to put the thing to death. You hear that? He came to put that thing to death. Putting to death that enmity. He choked that thing out. He squeezed the very life out of it. He came not to bring agreement, not to bring some type of spiritual detente, not to, to bring us to some type of place where, where we're just going to kind of get along. But He came and He said that He put that enmity to death, that reasoned hostility, and He preached peace as a result of that who are far off. And now we have access both, to one, uh, to, uh, both one by the Spirit to the Father. So He came to put that thing to death so that it can no longer exact its compulsive dominance over our lives. This is only made available as we, by faith, actually move from access into entrance. And so how many times do you hear, uh, you see children that are in rebellion and the parents are going to say, uh, now don't do that, don't do that, or I'm going to get up from here. Now I told you, little Johnny, don't do that, or I'm going to get up from there. Now, little Johnny, you just destroyed the whole house, but if you do that again, don't do that. Johnny, Johnny, don't do that. One, Johnny, don't do that. Two, Johnny, I said don't do that. Three, Johnny, don't do that. Four, five, six, seven. Okay, let's start all over. I said please don't do that, Johnny. You know I love you, Johnny. You're being a bad boy, Johnny. Johnny, why are you doing that? And Johnny has just kicked your tail all over the place, and you're sitting here trying to make deals with little Johnny, and the only thing Johnny is going to ever understand is you to snatch up Johnny and you wear him out. Johnny may throw a fit, but you just keep wearing Johnny out. And the same thing with our flesh, folks. We think that we can treat our flesh like just some some uh, rebellious child and, and offer him a token, obligatory piece of candy and say, if you do this, folks, you cannot do that. Jesus came to put to death that hostility, that reasoned hostility. And we can't just let that thing run roughshod and say, well, you know what? It's the, I've just got to learn. No, folks. He came to crucify those things upon the cross just like he, 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 he's, uh, he's, he's, bro- he's broken down that middle wall of partition and brought us access that we can have entrance. Now think about this. Ephesians chapter 3, 11 through 12 says this. Ephesians 3, 11 through 12. It says, Accordingly, uh, according to the eternal purpose which He purposed in Christ, Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by faith of Him. By the faith of Him. According to the eternal promise which He purposed in Christ, Jesus our Lord, 
in whom we have boldness and excess, access with confidence by faith of, of Him. And so that's Ephesians 3, 11 and 12. She got that up there? Amen. Brother, freedom, victory over sin, no condemnation, holiness, peace, power, whatever you want to, you want to put into that, all of those things are in accordance to the eternal promise that the Lord Jesus Christ has for each and every one of us. And so you're saying, you know what, I have a problem with victory over sin. Well, the, the, the promise that God gave us provides victory over sin. If, you, if you're saying, I'm having freedom in this area of my life, we, we, the, the, the eternal purpose which, he, which is purposed in Christ Jesus for us is provided that. No condemnation, power, holiness, peace, all those things He provided us. But folks, listen, we've got to move to the next level of faith in Him whereby we have the necessary boldness to access these promises with confidence and faith in Him. And so, brother, I want to interject this, this comment just for a second. Do not be afraid to be bold in your walk in the Spirit. Okay, folks? I want to tell you that. Do not be afraid to be bold in your walk in the Spirit. Some people can't be bold in their faith. They really can't. Number one, because they don't know this Word. Folks, you know what's going to bring boldness into your life? Knowing what the Word of God says. Now, how many times have I heard, and you've heard, Pastor Terry, you say, hey, y'all want to go out into the streets with us and witness? And people say, no, I couldn't do that. I just wouldn't know what to say. Now, have you ever thought that yourself? Or, hey, let's go out. We're fixing to go kick in at the door of a couple crack addicts and go in there and preach deliverance to those guys and set them free. Oh, I couldn't do that. I wouldn't know how to handle that. Or let's go, let's go and, and there's somebody that's bound by the devil. Let's go over there and cast the devil out of that demon-possessed person. Well, I couldn't do that. What does that say? It's not their calling, though. Bro. Yeah, it's, they'll say it's not their calling. They'll say, I just don't know what to do. Or, or I like this, it's out of my comfort zone. Or, it's, uh, you know, it's, or I'm out of my element. Folks, listen, when I'm in Christ Jesus, there is no element that I'm out of. You hear me? Because if I'm in Christ Jesus, every element is His element. So as a result, every element is my element. He has provided me the power, the victory, the holiness, the peace, the, the ability beyond my ability, the, the, the strength beyond my frailty to do all things. I can do what? All things. That word is the word pas. P-A-S if you want an English spelling that Greek word. I can do all things through Christ Jesus which give me strength. What's interesting about that word all there in the Greek is it actually means all. Do you hear me? It doesn't mean a biggest part of. It doesn't mean those things that I feel comfortable with. But when I come to Christ Jesus, the, the, according to the eternal purpose in, in Ephesians 3, 11, and 12, what do I have? I have access and, and the ability to bring entrance into all things. But folks, just having access, just having the promises without actually boldly coming in and, and receiving those promises of God, listen, what am I going to find myself doing? I'm going to find myself continually to walk under the power of the flesh. So do not... Have, be afraid to be bold in your walk, but know that your boldness is going to come through the Word of God. And I'm going to walk in the Spirit. I'm going to know what the Word of God says. When I pray in the Spirit, I'm going to have a boldness and something's going to be stirred up on the inside of me that regardless if I think that I have the, the, the chops or I have the experience or whatever it is to do a certain thing, that it never was dependent upon the arm of my flesh anyway. It was strictly dependent upon me not only having access, but making entrance into the promises of God. Sometimes I find that people, brother, are so afraid of coming across as prideful that they adopt a false humility so that their confidence won't be misinterpreted as pride. Folks, listen, false humility, let me give you another word for it. It's called pride. Okay? 
False humility, well, I just couldn't do that. Or, you know what, I just couldn't. Well, folks, I can do that. You hear me? That's not pride. That's knowing what the Bible says. The Bible says I can do all things through Christ Jesus. So do you want somebody to go preach the gospel? I can do that. Do you want somebody to work with children? Sure, I can do that. Do you want somebody to go uh, 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 rake somebody's leaves out of their yard? I can do that. you want somebody to go stand flat-footed in the red-light district of Amsterdam and preach the gospel in the middle of prostitution and legalized marriage? I can do that. Do you want somebody to go feed 5,000 homeless people in Skid Row? I can do that. Do you want somebody to sing a song or prophesy or cast out a devil or speak with new tongues? Yeah, I can do that. Folks, I'm, I'm confident in what he said. Because if I say I can't do that, and I'm in Christ, not only having access but entrance, I'm trying to make him a liar. And the Word says, let God be true and let every man be a liar. Your flesh is always going to say, I can't do it. Your flesh is going to say, I don't know what the answer is. Your flesh is always going to say, I don't have the power. I don't have the strength. I don't, I, I don't have what it takes. But my spirit man, if I'm walking in the spirit, and I'm free from the condemnation of the flesh, I'm, then I'm no longer looking inward at me. And, and so I'm not walking in a false humility, which is really pride. Because if I'm not walking in the boldness of the I can of the Scripture, I'm putting all the responsibility upon my inability, which is saying that self-righteousness. And folks, listen, you're either walking in the confidence of Christ Jesus. If you're not, and you're saying to yourself, well, I'm struggling there, repent. Listen, there's, there's no shortcut to it. You've got to repent and you've got to remind yourself daily what the Word says. And every single time that devil comes and he begins to tell you you can't, you say, well, I hear what you're saying. Every time your flesh rises up and it says, I can't. Every time your, 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 your fears rise up and say, I can't. You say, you know what? You're, you sure can't. But I can do it through Christ Jesus who gives me strength. I don't have to walk in the flesh. I can walk in the Spirit. One thing I think about, brothers, a big breakthrough the Lord gave me was, uh, well, my first time at Mardi Gras in 1998. Uh, I fo actually found myself looking at women that were flashing themselves. And right there, the Lord told me that night, I just went back to the camp broken. You know, I thought, man, I'm down here and I'm, I'm down here in sin. And and I just cried out to the Lord, and He said, "Look at the look at the women through my eyes instead of your eyes." And now that has become a an area that I mean, I love to minister to women that are, you know, dressed seductive, and uh, because when a man hits them with the Word of God, right, it's so much. You know, a woman could go up and they probably end up cussing them out or something. Very few times do I get that, but. Uh, it's just uh, it's an awesome thing, and run into it all the time. I mean, I've I've ministered to a, one woman wearing two flowers and a thong. Yeah, you know, but she she was she was embarrassed. She was you know just you know all out of sorts as far as why would a man come up to me and do that? Yeah, because she's expecting to be seductive, mm -hmm. and when you turn it around, it's no longer seductive; it becomes repulsive. And you think, what are you trying to do? Do you think that impresses me? Right. Do you think that that entices me? That sickens me because I see what the enmity has done in your life. And it, and it becomes that same type of thing. We've got, we've got to have that, that boldness to walk in the righteousness to overcome the limitations of our own ability. And so we're either going to do that. We're either going to walk in the Spirit and have victory, or we're going to walk in the flesh and continue to struggle. Folks, listen, you've got to literally make the concerted effort to say, uh, I, I'm no longer going to walk in that empowerment, that I'm going to stand fast in obedience to what God has spoken, I'm going to do what God has said, or you're going to continue to struggle. And you'll see the access, but you'll never have the entrance. And brother, I, you know, I, I, want to, I want to constantly be sick and tired of feeling like I'm on the outside of God's will looking in. Mm -hmm. 
I want to find myself smack dab in the middle of what God is saying on a daily basis, but I know that there is this thing called the, the, the sin nature that's always going to try to entice me back and say, oh, listen, you didn't sure didn't accomplish what you wanted to that day. You didn't get to see that. And, and, and get me to walk in, a, in, a, in this false humility and this pride or reliance on my own flesh and get me to, to, to divert myself back into that compulsive dominance of the flesh rather than submitting to the dominance of the Spirit and say, Spirit, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I know you're going to do it. I'm submitted to you, Lord God. I, you know what? My, my own, my, in my strength, I just don't have an answer, but I know you've got the answer. And so I'm going to trust in you more than I trust in my inability. And folks, I really challenge you to come to that place. Do not be afraid to be bold in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what, what these things happen is when we have this, we, we succumb to this false humility and, and uh, we're afraid that our confidence is going to be, our confidence in Jesus is going to be misinterpreted with pride. What this actually becomes through, uh, though, is the carnal mind trying to reason through the situation to create a certain perception. But this always is going to lead back to the same place. It's going to lead back to death. We cannot allow our carnal mind to create a perception that we can't do it, a certain perception that's going to create something that's false and contrary to what the Word of God says. Brother, listen, the Word of God always flies in the face of human reason. It says love those that hate you. It says bless those who curse you. It says pray for your enemy. What we want to do is we want to strike back. We want to, we want to be offend, offended where somebody else is offensive. We want to do, but the Word of God always flies where, where we can't do it, where we, when, when there's a giant that we're facing, it, it says run. The flesh does. But the Spirit says you run out there. You run to it rather than run away from it. So it's always going to fly in the face. And so folks, listen, God chooses the foolish things to confound the wise. And He uses the weak things to overcome those things that think themselves mighty. But I want to say this, and I think this is so key. Belligerence, though, is not boldness. Okay? Belligerence is not boldness. And cockiness is not confidence. Okay? i got to say that. Because I know people that, that have this, this belligerence, and, I, and I've had to correct people that have been involved with us on the streets or whatever, that they've been belligerent to people. And I said, belligerence is not boldness. And, and cockiness is, is not confidence. And because belligerence and, and confidence, and, and cockiness, excuse me, uh, are, are mere counterfeits that are derived from the flesh. Boldness and confidence are attributes that come from the access we have through faith in the blood of Jesus. Belligerence and cockiness will always run aground when things do not go as they expect or when people do not respond in the way that you expect. Whereas boldness and confidence, because they originate in the spirit man, operate indiscriminate of what you might see, what you might feel, what you might perceive in the natural. And so what God is looking for is He's looking for bold people to do His will in these last days who will confidently trust in Him that He will do exactly what He says He would do. And that really brings me to a point. I got a call yesterday, and I always say if you have calls uh, or questions, feel this. I, I mentioned yesterday about going out in, in on a street corner and, and having a sign that says God abhors you or a homosexual is going to hell. What's what you know, and just standing there and blasting people with a bullhorn and, 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 and not ever making contact versus having a track that's very hard hitting. And so I had someone ask me yesterday, so what's what's the difference? You know, like the track that we use in those seductive situations, that was Ezekiel sixteen 1615. 1615, that, that, uh, that your beauty has gone to your head and you've become a common whore, giving yourself to any man that would walk down the street. What, what they, and the question was, so what's the difference? And, and what, I, what I told them was the difference is one is providing an out. One is making a blanket statement indiscriminate of who the person is. And it, all, it comes across as belligerence. One, what it does, it presents something, but it, there's access 
You see what I'm saying? There's an access for repentance into it. It's, it's, it is it cutting? Is it rebuke? Yeah, absolutely. Is it, does it exhort? Is it, is it something? Yeah, but it's done with long-suffering and with doctrine, so it provides a way out of that situation. One can be belligerent. Not always. Not always is someone that, that stands with a, with a bullhorn or whatever else, an open air Not always is it belligerent. Sometimes that's the directive that God puts. But what the perception is many times is there's no access. If I'm standing across the street and I'm just blasting, what I've told the people is I want to keep you at arm's reach. But if I walk up to somebody and I say, here's what the Word of God says. Here where you're at. What have I done? I provided access. I provided a closeness. I provided a way out of that situation. And so there is a thin line. There is a, there's something that really has got to be discerned. But one, if I'm out here, what is it? I'm speaking from my position of strength into their position of weakness. When I'm here, what have I done? I become what he became. I'm eye to eye with someone. I'm saying, listen, I'm right here with you. Here's what you're doing. Here's what the Word of God says. And there is a way out for you. There is a victory. There is ability to overcome. And so, boldness and confidence, according to Ephesians 3.11, are what God expects from His children. And this expectancy is what pleases Him. We've got to come to the place where we have an expectancy of being bold. We have the expectancy of walking in confidence. We have the expectancy of not only having access, but having entrance. I want to be right there. I don't ever want to be satisfied with being in the outer courts, so to speak, in the, in the, in the, in the tabernacle of God. I don't just want to be that place where anybody can go. But I don't ever want to find myself being, being satisfied with just being in, the, in the, the holy place. I want to be in the holy of holies. Mm-hmm. I want every single thing. I want to walk in what Christ Jesus gave to Paul the Apostle and said to us to, to seek out earnestly the best gifts. I want the best place. I want the best strength. I want the best ability to overcome. I want those things. Is that being cocky? No, that's being confident. Because I have confidence through faith to enter into that place boldly because He has given me access through His blood. And so John 8.29 says this. It says, I do always those things which please Him. And so just as we're talking about being able to please God, I want to always do those things. That please him. In First Thessalonians four one through four, First Thessalonians four one through four says this. Finally, then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more, just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and please God. He said, "I want you to abound what more and more." Okay, that just as you receive from us how you ought to walk to please God, for you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus Christ. For this is the will of God. Your sanctification. Folks, the will of God for us is not just to be reconciled, but it's for us to be sanctified as well. To walk and be holy even as He is holy. To have the victory over the sin nature. Not to just have access, but to have entrance. That each of us should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Folks, that is to walk in the Spirit. So if I'm going to walk in that place that's pleasing to God, it's the only place that it is is walking in the Spirit. 2 Timothy 2.4. Write this down. 2 Timothy 2.4. No man that warreth entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. So folks, listen. I'm not going to find myself entangled in the affairs of this life if I'm literally warring according to the Spirit. If the weapons of my warfare are not carnal. That I may please him. Now, what do we want to be? We want to please him. And that brings us to Romans 8.8. So they that are in the flesh cannot... Please God. And so if I war according to the flesh, I can't please God. And so if, if, if He's urging me to abound more and more, what's it going to do? It's telling me I ought to walk in a place, according to 1 Thessalonians 4, 1-4, a place of pleasing God. 
And so I gave you a corresponding verse yesterday as we closed out the program to look in advance at today's class. And that was what? Hebrews 11.6. Hebrews 11.6. But it says this. So Romans 8.8, 8, For they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Okay? Do you want to be pleasing unto God? You cannot do it in the flesh. You cannot do it under the, the compulsive uh, 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 dominance of that, that enmity or that hostility or that reasoned hostility towards God. You cannot... You cannot please God in that place. You cannot please God not walking in the entrance to that place. Okay? And so if you're outside of that place, it's unpleasing unto God. And so Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it's impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So folks, listen. Just not being in quote-unquote acts of sin is not pleasing unto God. Okay? Sometimes we think, okay, I'm okay as long as I'm not committing adultery, murdering, as long as I'm not lying or stealing. Folks, listen, without faith, it's impossible to please Him. If I'm walking in the flesh, uh, according to Romans 8, 8, I can't please Him. But the only thing that is pleasing unto God is what? That submissive dominance, that place to come to Him and allowing the Spirit of God to come in and control my life. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. I have to believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So what this does, it reveals to us that the thing that pleases God is what? Faith. What pleases God? Faith. Faith will produce something though. Faith will always produce fruit. While the flesh displeases God. And so if you're with me today, and there's an area of your life that's in the flesh, it is displeasing unto God. Okay? If you're walking in some unforgiveness, if you're walking in, in bitterness, if you're walking in, in hostility, if you've got anger issues, if you're walking in, in addictions that you, you will just will refuse to repent from, it is displeasing unto God. And so what you've got to say to yourself is my life, regardless of what portion of it is, my life is displeasing unto God. Is that okay with you? It, it, it's not okay with me. When God reveals something to me that's displeasing, what do I want to do? I want to distance myself from those things that are displeasing unto God. I don't want to cater to those things. I don't want to condone those things. I don't want to say those things are okay. I, I don't want to try to appease those things. I don't want to say, uh, uh, little Johnny, little Johnny, little Johnny. What do I want to do? I want to wear those things out. I want to crucify those things. I want to take those things just as Paul said. I take and I beat my body under subjection. Lest when I minister to others, I myself would become disqualified. I would become a castaway. So we've got to come to that place where we say, no way. If there's something in my life that is contrary, that I'm walking in the flesh, I know that I'm displeasing unto God. And being displeasing unto God is not okay. Regardless if it means that I don't get my way, regardless if it means that I have to humble myself, regardless if it means that I have to say I'm sorry, or if I have to repent, if, if it takes those things, that way I'm not no longer in a position of displeasing God, so be it. Because my goal is not to be a man pleaser, but to be a God pleaser. Amen. Not to be a flesh pleaser, okay? Because sometimes the man pleaser is us. The man that we want to please is our own self. It's not somebody else. But I don't want to be a man pleaser. I want to be a God pleaser. I want to be pleasing unto Him. And the only way that I'm going to do that is through faith. And so that which originates from God should be called, it could be called faith-based, Okay? while that which originates from man is called flesh-based. And so if it originates from man, <clears throat> there's, there, it, it's always going to be based or built upon flesh. There's this been thing, we've, talked, we've heard about it in the last few, several years, this, this, in the U.S. political stage. All these things deal with faith-based this and faith-based that. You know what? We want to support faith-based organization. And I've had people come to me and say, hey, listen, there's money for faith-based organizations through the government. Do you want it? No way do I want it. Because I know that our government is no longer based upon faith. 
And so if I'm getting something that's derived out of the flesh of man, regardless of how sweet it looks, regardless of what um, uh, 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 terminology they put on top of it, if I know where it originated, I know that it's originally, it's, it's gonna, if it originated in the flesh, if it originated in Washington, D.C., if it originated in, under a political agenda, then it's only the place it's going to lead is to destruction. Period. But if it originates through the Word of God, it originates through faithful servants of the Lord of God, uh, of, of the Lord Jesus Christ, walking in faith, then it's gonna, we're going to have something to build upon. We're going to have something that may not have as many zeros behind it, but I tell you what, it's not, may not have the zeros, but it's going to have the heroes. It's going to have the heroes of the faith, amen, that are going to walk in obedience, and I would rather to have nothing that God blesses than everything that is cursed before God. And so we've got to come to that place. And so what happens is, is this faith-based thing is just man's attempt Attempt to, to provide some type of morality, folks. It's always going to come flat. Now, to be uh, to be based upon this is to be based upon a lie. But Matthew sixteen eighteen says this. He said, "Upon this rock, Petra, the rock which is Jesus Christ." He said, "I will build my church." Matthew sixteen eighteen. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The, the, they will not have victory. That I will not succumb to those things. So if I'm if I'm faith based. If, if I'm walking in faith because I know that they that are in the flesh cannot please God according to Romans 8.8, 8, but if I have faith because without it it's impossible to please God, I've got to believe that He is and He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek after Him. Folks, diligence isn't now I lay me down to sleep or, or rub-a-dub-dub, thank you for the grub type of prayers. Diligence is, you know what? I'm going to diligently get into the Word. I'm going to seek it. When the Word scuffs me up, I'm going to say thank you God for revealing something. When I'm challenged by it, I'm going to say thank you God for doing it. I'm not going to rear up and stiffen up like a stiff-necked child so, so I can't get wore out. I'm going to, I'm going to succumb and I'm going, to, I'm going to submit myself unto Him and I'm going to boldly come to Him and say, please, Lord Jesus, wear me out. Please, Lord, I have the confidence in knowing that you're going to be concise, that you're going to be just, that you're going to be faithful in everything that you do. So, when it is of God and from God, it will perform like God. Here's what I was saying as we got cut off. When it is of God and from God, then it will perform like God. Okay? Because what God does is always consistent with His nature. It's always consistent with His Word. And so when it's of God and from God, it will perform like God. That is, it will have faith results and rather than flesh results. And so, have you ever had a good idea, folks, that wasn't necessarily a God idea? Anybody ever done that? And as a result, your good intentions fell flat and failed to accomplish that desired outcome? Folks, listen, when we base it upon faith, Listen, it becomes indiscriminate of what we see or what the manifestation is because we know what it was founded upon. And though it, 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 it doesn't instantaneously provide, pre- present the results, we know through faith and obedience to the Word of God that it's going to be pleasing unto God. And so if I'm in the flesh, regardless of how good the flesh appears, it cannot and will not produce anything that is pleasing unto God. And, and I think, folks, really this is... This is the, uh, where much of modern Christianity falls flat on its face. I think that doing things that seem moral or seem good or seem to be attractive spiritually, we, we think that those things will be somehow be acceptable substitute for faith or the moral conviction of the truthfulness of God. But folks, listen, that will never be the case. And so our modern church of the last several generations, we thought if we do things that look enough like God, then they should produce God-like results. Folks, it never will happen. And so we've substituted all of these things for righteousness. And we talk about it in, re- in regards to evangelism so many t- many times. 
And think about what Isaiah 64, 6 says. It says, but we, but we all are all of us as unclean things and all of our righteousness are as filthy rags. Our self-righteousness is like filthy rags. And folks, listen, we cannot with all of our good intentions substitute our will and expect God to be pleased. And we talked about it in relationship to evangelism. We thought, okay, if we could just get people, uh, if we can just show people how nice we are, if we can just give them a bottle of water, if we can just do good things, then somehow they're going to think that, that, that we're great and they're going to want to serve Jesus. And just like we talked about the report that came out of the Willow Creek Association of Churches, they said, listen, we failed. We thought that just getting people involved in programs or getting people around churchy type things would change them and they, they had to come back, uh, you know, obviously years later and say, it hasn't worked. The people that were supposed to be the strongest spiritually are the po- people that are most displeased. Now think about that. That's the word they use. They're the most displeased. Why? Because they that are in the flesh cannot please God. And so folks, anything that's derived from the flesh is going to be displeasing to God regardless of how good it looks. Those things look good. Those things look sweet. Those things look religious enough. Those things look moral enough. Those things look like they should produce the the good results. But whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Without faith it's impossible to please Him. We have to believe that God is and that God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. That don't just have access but have entrance into those type of things. And so when God says in, in, in the, through Paul the Apostle in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, when He tells us that, and in 2, when He tells us that He chose the preaching of the gospel to save that which is lost. Now if I use anything else besides that, regardless of how good it is, what's it built upon? It's not faith-based. It's flesh-based. What it says is, oh, you know what? I can get people, if I do it this way, I can get people to make a decision. Well, folks, all decisions aren't good decisions. You hear me? And we don't want to call people decisions. We want to call people to repentance. Repentance not to be repented of. And so unless we repent, we'll, repair, we'll perish. Not unless we make the right decision. Because some people say, you say, well, do you not want to go to hell? Well, certainly I don't want to go to hell. Now, do you want to die to yourself and, and forsake your whole life and come to the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, I don't know about all that. I just don't want to go to hell. And you see what I'm saying? So if it becomes based upon the flesh, regardless of how sweet and how good the flesh looks, it is always going to be displeasing unto God. And see, that puts us in a quandary. Because we think that we have some pretty good ideas. And we do. But good ideas does not constitute God ideas. And we, we, so we think this. We say, God, you know what? My intentions are great. I want to do this. And so, God, you ought to honor this. And so here's what we do. We say, God, what I want you to do is I want you to anoint what I'm doing. Rather than say, God, I want to do what you're anointing. Folks, listen. Our job is not to say, God, here's what I'm doing. Please come and bless it or please come and anoint it. What we need to say is, God, what do you bless? What do you anoint? And we begin to do those type of things. That's why he tells us in James, be doers of what? The what? The word. And not hearers. Not doers of the self-will. Not be doers of the flesh. Not doers of good intentions. But doers of the word. Otherwise, we are deceived. Folks, we've got to come back to that place in Christianity where we're followers of Christ. Where we're imitators of Christ. Because when we're in the flesh, we cannot please God. I know that leaves you with a whole lot of things to think about today. Folks, listen, we are totally out of time today. And uh, what's, what is today? Today, Friday. Friday. So we won't be back until Monday if you're listening to us live. But we love you and we pray for you. And if you're out uh, reaching out to people this weekend, man, we really pray for you and encourage you and just ask that God would just bring you not only access but entrance into His will and you'll allow the power of God to flow in and through you as you go out and share with the lost, dying, hurting. We've got one bit of advice today as we close. 
Get into God's Word, and God's Word will get into you.